You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And bringing you today's podcast is MyBookie. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. It is NCAA tournament time, which means it is... The one, you know, one of the best weeks of the year to go hang out over at my bookie. And as always, with my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, it is a, a somber episode of Lockdown Bucks uh, for you. I know it's been a it's been a rough day in the Christian Woodlands, and you know I'm. <laughs> I'm honestly just happy that you were even able to record with me tonight, like to get through this and, you know, find a way to persevere through the pod. You know, I think that's why our our listeners are so loyal and appreciate us so much is because on rough days like this, you show the professionalism you need to get through this and record this podcast. Uh, I mean, if you have, just think about it. If you have a geographic, um, like sort of inside joke with us, you, you better watch out. Pilet- it's pretty rough. Pilevich Archipelago, medical retirement, reti- you know, waived before the end of last season. Thonmaker Island, hey, like it survived a couple years, but shipped out and you know marooned in Detroit right now. Uh, Christian Woodlands waved right before before the playoffs. Um, we got to be careful here. I mean, I feel like we're uh, we're we're a, a, a scourge on on these players' uh, ability to stay with the team. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I would say a little bit of a surprise, not because um, like it doesn't make roster sense, because you know, obviously, I was a, a fan of Woods going back to to last summer league. Um, so, I mean, I was I was happy they gave him a shot, and and obviously, the roster evolved over the course of the season. You know. DJ Wilson turning into a guy that, you know, has has kind of become, you know, the hashtag free DJ movement. He is sort of the now the the token guy that doesn't play that everybody wants mm-hmm. to play, and I think justifiably so. Um, and obviously adding Nikola Miritich at the trade deadline, um, you know, Ursana Yosova being obviously Mike Budenholzer's kind of um, favorite random veteran guy and playing better of late for sure as well. I don't, you know, I think he played especially well on Friday in Miami and has generally been making shots of late. Um, and obviously then you throw in like, Oh, let's add Pau Gasol for good, for good measure and mm-hmm. hopefully not play Pau Gasol, but you know, just bottom line, obviously there's just a lot of guys on that bench who are, you know, fighting for minutes that are obviously ahead of Christian Wood. And, um, 
I think, you know, the only, the only question was, um, well, well, twofold really. Right. Um, actually let's say threefold, right. First off, you know, who's out there that is playoff eligible, you know, when Brogdon goes down that, that you can actually add who's been, you know, basically either has not been with an NBA team this year or, or was released before March 1st, which is the, the deadline for being playoff eligible. So that's obviously one question where I was like, who, who, who's even worth picking up in that scenario? Um, two, uh, obviously Wood, um, well, not obviously, I would, I would say Wood had value, not not for this year, right? I mean, I don't think there was any illusion that Wood was going to play this year. Um, but again, like the possibility that you might end up losing some of these random guys that are currently in your big rotation this summer. Wood was a non-guaranteed, basically minimum contract next year. Again, given his age, you know, an interesting guy to bring into camp. You could have waived him before the season started and and not owed him anything. And so, you know, that's the kind of guy that that certainly can be useful to to continue to take a flyer on, especially given that obviously he's produced sort of in the you know G League and you know he's still young. So so could have had some value there. Um, and then thirdly, and probably most importantly from my perspective, was um, there's some very weird incentives in Tony Snell's contract. Um, he's already hit one of them when the Bucks hit hit 50 wins. His uh, $100,000 of uh, potential 500,000 in incentives was met. He's got another, I guess, 400,000 or so that can be met if the Bucks make it to the East Finals, make it to the Finals, and win a title. And um, people may recall Bobby Marks um, tweeted when Paul Gasol was signed that the Bucks were basically like if Snell, all of Snell's incentives hit, i.e., they won the Finals. The Bucks would be like 50k under the uh, luxury tax, and so um, I was just tweeting with uh, uh, Jeff Siegel, who uh, has the Early Bird Rights website, does a great job tracking salaries and things like that. And and I, I don't, I usually don't really do the math very closely on sort of these like in-season waivers and uh, things like that. Um, so I just usually defer people who are more eager to to do <laughs> to do that. And uh, Jeff noted this that, is that's really something. That's yeah. really something, Frank. Like normally, like I'm so lazy that I have you do the easy stuff. Like this is something so in depth that even you don't want to do it. Yeah. I feel like that's really saying something. Yeah, if if you have to like prorate, you know, prorate minimum contracts over <laughs> days and things like that, because ultimately that's sort of how this happens. Is they, you know, there's there's only however many days left in the NBA calendar, and it's I think it's divided out of 180. Um, it gets multiplied by the the minimum amount or whatever that that Tim Fraser would sign for, and obviously, so Tim Fraser, who many people may remember as the um, guy, basically, you know, last cut uh, in camp, um, he ends up going to the Pelicans, starts way too many games for the New Orleans Pelicans while Alfred Payton and others were hurt this season. Then he gets waived um, in February. Uh, so obviously that was always sort of a natural option for the Bucks to to add. Um, and credit to Ben Thompson, friend of the pod. Ben actually suggested this exact move um, probably like a, a week or two ago, I guess. Um, and I didn't think it was going to happen just because there was the chance that, again, if you sign Tim Frazier and you take on that you know fairly small prorated um, amount of salary this year, that if you go to the East finals. If you win the East, if you go to the finals, you win the finals. There were some scenarios where the bucks could actually go into the luxury tax, like just barely um, because of this. And I just assumed like, well, you know, I mean, are you going to like potentially go into the tax because of, you know, 
Tim Fraser being like an you know like a, a random depth guy, and I assume they wouldn't. Um, and uh, obviously, I guess the Jeff Jeff did the math, and he said if you, you know basically by waiting another day, um, the Bucks. His math was basically the Bucks would have to win the finals in order to hit the luxury tax, and so I'll I'll take his word for that. Um, obviously, you could say, hey, if the Bucks win the finals who the F cares about, you know, the <laughs> and so I totally agree. Like, I don't care. You know, I, I will, I will happily, um, you know, update my spreadsheet while sipping champagne uh, at the Bucks victory parade or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there, there are, um, there are practical reasons to uh, avoid the tax if you can. I mean, one, um, I mean, there's you're talking about millions of dollars. If you if you are paying the tax, you are not one of the teams that gets a a portion of the tax distributions, basically, right? So you know, think about it this way: if you know, 15 teams went into tax, and it's pretty much never that many. Um, 15 teams go into tax, 15 teams don't. Then 15 teams pay into the into the pool, and basically, you know, in simplistic terms, and then that's gets shared by the 15 teams that don't. So, um, so to go from you know. And obviously, you also pay money on top of the amount that you're over the tax. Now, bucks would be so barely over that that part would be trivial. It'd be more like, you know, we'll see what what the number ends up being, but potentially millions of dollars that you're missing out in terms of luxury tax payment. So, yeah, it's a big deal. And then perhaps, you know, from a basketball sense, more importantly, you know, if you are in the tax this year, then it sets you up to potentially have to pay increased tax amounts in the future if you are hitting what's called the repeater tax um and and doing it you know year after year after year right which who knows it's possible that the bucks could could end up being in the tax next year so um you know there are very good reasons to avoid the tax you know we've talked about you know in the brook lopez context that um being under the tax uh you know by enough to allow you to spend the non-tax mid-level gives you more money you can spend on a guy like Brooke Lopez. So there's good reasons other than, you know, well, we want our owners to save, to save money uh, to avoid the tax. Um, but obviously, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll let you offer your opinion. I mean, I think, I feel like you can just sort of like talk yourself in circles with this stuff. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, in the abstract, Tim Fraser has more of a likelihood of a being needed uh, and B you know, thus contributing something to this team the rest of the season. And, you know, when you have a chance to compete for a title, that's that's probably the first thing you should be worried about. On the flip side, look, if Tim if this if this buck season comes down to Tim Frazier playing minutes, probably 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 you're screwed anyway. Um because that means that, you know, George Hill or Eric Bledsoe got hurt and, you know, you're you're really in desperate straits. But um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I don't know if I don't want to make it out to be too big of a deal. Um, I would have liked to have, you know, wood on, on that non-guaranteed deal next year, but you know, is this some tragedy? No. You know, is this something that, you know, the bucks are going to regret forever? I mean, again, I I'll, I'll root for Christian wood to, to latch on somewhere, but um, you know, I'm not expecting him to go off and become some like really good player or something like that either. Right. I mean, the, the odds are usually stacked against that. So, um, you know, it would have been nice not to have needed this because hopefully you would have just hoped that, you know, Malcolm Brogdon is healthy and you don't need to add Tim Frazier. But in the circumstances, you know, I understand it. And I, I guess it's interesting that the Bucks would seemingly put themselves at least in play to having to pay the luxury tax uh, potentially as well.
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things here. And, you know, I think one of them is probably just just the general idea that, you know, like when you when you look at this season, I think obviously you don't want Malcolm Brogdon to get injured, but now that he has, um, I think all of those little things on the margins become that much more important. So, you know, if if you're not sure you're going to get Malcolm Brogdon for that whole second round series, like, you know, having home court for the entirety of the playoffs. And, and again, they'll have home court in that second round, but you know, like just like to me having home court for the entirety of the playoffs is probably one of the bigger deals of, of this season. And you know, I talked about it with Matt Velasquez, I think, and I think we talked about it with you a little bit last week, but you know, like, I don't think there's any sense that this team is putting any significance on the on the number 60, but, you know, I do think they believe it's significant that they have the best record in the NBA so that they have home court in all of those games. And, you know, like as far as I think concerns that you have with Malcolm Brogdon out, it's not necessarily that you're going to uh, – you know, fall apart or anything like that. It's just that, you know, maybe you drop a few more games than you want to. And uh, I mean, you have a pretty comfortable lead over the Toronto Raptors uh, at, I think it's two and a half game. Now you're three up in the loss column. Um, like, you know, when you look at it, you should be able to hold that lead down the stretch. But uh, I think, you know, maybe this is a move that allows you to play a, a little bit more normal. Um, instead of throwing out these these big lineups all the time that, you know, if you do actually want to play uh, Tim Frazier, you probably could and still have, like, George Hill is, like, the shooting guard that is going to play with your backup point guard. Like, you, you could do some other things and, you know, maybe ask fewer guys to play out of position less, um, which, you know, might end up being a good thing. So I think that part of it is interesting that, you know, like you said, they decided that possibly going into the luxury tax was, was okay to get this, what I think would be a very marginal improvement, just having someone that, you know, may be able to contribute as opposed to Christian Wood, who just probably was never going to see time this year. Um, so I think that is interesting. And then, you know, I think the other thing I was kind of thinking about with this is, you talked about Christian Woods deal and you know how little it is next year. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious now if, if this sort of signals some sort of, maybe some sort of organizational shift where, you know, there's just a belief that if, if you need it, if you need something on the margins, you can get a veteran bio guy. Like I do wonder if, that's kind of what the Bucks are thinking now that, okay, that that spot at the end of the roster isn't for, uh, you know, like a young guy that could possibly figure this out someday. It's, it's instead rather for a veteran that's ring chasing. And again, I think uh, obviously uh, with the way Pau Gasol has played thus far, uh, I could see an argument against that. Um, for not wanting guys that, that are ring chasing. But I do also wonder if that is kind of a part of the thought process that there is some internal belief now that 
you know, if you need a guy to fill out the end of the roster, like you might be able to get a vet. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's just sort of um, another example of kind of the Bucks being in kind of a different place than they have been in the past. Um, I think, you know, much more reasonable now to, to try to target, you know, sort of like veteran type guys for the last roster spot. You're much more appealing to those types of guys than you might've been in previous years. Um, that said, I think there's still a need to have, you know, those kind of young guys with, and I hesitate to say upside. Cause I think again, like people, I feel like when we say upside, people think like star, like an all-star type player, but it's more of just like having young guys with like the ability to outperform contracts um, and the ability of guys to like grow into, you know, if it's a guy you find get in the second round, like if that guy becomes a seventh yep. man, that's a really good value, right? That's guys, you know, I mean, Brogdon obviously being kind of the best best example of that, but obviously we've seen other guys, you know, kind of come from um, a mid second round spot and and be able to compete for you know playing time. I mean, Sterling Brown obviously when he's been healthy uh, has been able to do that as well, and that's that's really useful, right? And or or being able to find like a Pat Connaughton who can actually compete for minutes, and obviously we can debate whether how good Pat Connaughton is, but you know I would say pretty unequivocally like for a guy making you know one and a half million bucks a year. Connaughton's been a really good find and you've got him if you want for basically the same number next year. And he's still obviously a young guy who shouldn't get any worse and, and potentially will get better. So again, those are, you know, those are kind of those, you know, I think, I think you probably need a combination of things. You know, I think the ideal guys are those younger guys who, who can do what we've seen guys like Connaughton um, and Brown do, you know, again, I'm trying not to cherry pick like, you know, DJ Wilson, he was a first round pick. So yeah, you, you kind of want a guy like like that to actually turn out to be a guy who can play for you. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see just sort of how the Bucks do sort of continue to um, kind of balance those things. Because certainly this year, I mean, Lopez was obviously the glamour signing. Ursula Silva was the guy they went after first. So they went after their eldest signing first, you know, Ursan being 31 on paper, at least. Um, Lopez at 30, they sign. And then, you know, they, they fill out the roster with, with a guy like Connaughton. They obviously ultimately keep wood. And, you know, so they sort of filled out the roster with some of these younger guys. Um, so I think it'll be very interesting to see, especially next summer. I mean, we, we obviously have focused mainly on the, um, you know, the kind of the, the key guys retaining all the starters. Um, but, you know, especially with, with Wood out of the picture now, um, there's going to be certainly a couple of roster spots um, at the end there that uh, they'll be up for grabs. And I think it'll be interesting to see just how the Bucks, you know, what, what approach the Bucks take to those. Do they go after veterans willing to sort of chase rings, you know, like the, the, the future Pau Gasol types? Or, you know, do they still take a flyer on, you know, maybe a, a young guy kind of coming off, you know, uh, you know, like a Connaughton, right, who is for whatever reason, let go by, you know, the, the, the Blazers weren't interested in keeping him and the Bucks obviously pounced on a guy that, that has given them some good minutes. Yeah. It, like I said, it is kind of, kind of weird to see guys think about ring chasing in Milwaukee. Like that's just a weird sentence to say, because, you know, I think for so long, the perception of Milwaukee is I don't want to go there unless you're paying me a whole lot of money. Um, that that was kind of always how guys viewed a, a cold Midwestern town on on the smaller side of things that wasn't particularly good. And now you're in a spot where they are pretty damn good. And, you know, they, they have a coach who, you know, I think a lot of guys trust and uh, appreciate. And, 
you know, would kind of believe in if they came to this city that, you know, that guy would get the most out of them, which I don't think is something you could say for Jason Kidd. I don't think it's something you could say for Larry Drew. Um, I, I'm trying to th- it, keep going back. Like, you're not going to find a coach that, that guys would have believed that about in a, in a long time. And, you know, you, you keep going down the line. You think about the practice facilities. And instead now uh, you have you have great ones. You have a brand new arena. You have kind of all of the things uh, that that guys who are trying to figure out if they want to be in a small town, all the things that, you know, could convince them to, to actually do it and go chase a ring. So uh, seeing how they try to fill things out, uh, try, how they try to fill at the bottom of the roster, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. And, and yeah, like I said, you know, maybe – letting Christian would go, even though you did have him on that non-guaranteed next year, maybe that just means that as an organization, they think they can, they can go and, and get bigger and better things. So um, I think that'll be really interesting to watch. And it's honestly appropriate that we're talking about bigger and better things in money uh, right now, because the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is, you know, probably the greatest betting event of the entire year. So, you know, whether you, you like fun on a bracket, picking a national championship, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with the title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16th seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? While we're here, Zion is just incredibly fun to watch. I don't like watching college basketball, but Zion is incredibly fun to watch. Uh, Virginia is the exact opposite. And Kentucky coach Cal flexing on everyone by doing an interview on ESPN on the night the brackets are released with Team USA jerseys of all of his guys in the background is just the most incredible Coach Cal thing I've ever seen. So shout out to Coach Cal Perry because that was just the perfect flex that that dude is always crutin. ABC, always be crudent, and he, he definitely is. So, uh, sorry, I just quick diversion there. But, you know, if you know the answers to any of those questions, or if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even those people that fill out multiple brackets. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. The best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking within 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you. While you watch your picks make cash, deposit with MyBookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA with MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And, Frank, we wanted to uh, issue... uh, I was going to say, I guess it's not a correction. It's just a clarification because we we were not very sure on this last night and both of us were too lazy uh, to Google it as we were doing it and find it quickly. Uh, but we were talking about Malcolm Brogdon and his foot, obviously his uh, plantar fascia tear, and uh, a couple things there. One, I, I if you follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore name or Frank at F Madden NBA, I don't know if Frank retweeted this, but I tweeted it out. Uh, you can kind of see the play that it appears that Brogdon tore his plantar fascia on. Um, I tweeted that out today. It was 
uh, I believe Justice Winslow that chased him down for a block on a layup on a pass from Chris Middleton uh, in the first quarter of that game. And you can kind of see him wincing after the play uh, on the TV shot. And then uh, he comes out right at that moment, which is, you know, normally he closes out the first quarter. So uh, don't know for sure that that was a play because we haven't had a chance to talk to Malcolm Brogdon yet uh, and get any of that confirmed. Um, but when we do, obviously we can do that. But uh, that would be my guess for for when it actually occurred. That's when it appeared to occur. Uh, and then the other thing was we were trying to figure out if the plantar fascia tear in his right foot was the same as his bad foot, uh, the foot that we've talked about in the past being a red flag uh, during the draft and now being a red flag during his free agency period. Uh, and that was his left foot. So uh, not the same foot. But also, actually, I don't know. It would be worse if it was on the same foot, right? But now there's kind of questions on both feet. I don't. I don't really know. What do you think? Uh, I would say it's a good thing. It's not on the on the, the problem, the original problem foot, um, which you know, fingers crossed, has not really. I'm I'm not aware of that really causing him any issues since he's been in the NBA. He broke it originally in in 2012, actually. Um, which is a, a very long time ago. Um, but, you know, we've heard, I'd say, from a number of folks that it is not without reason that uh, teams were kind of spooked by it. So um, obviously, you know, you hope that it's not something that's going to come back at some point and be an issue. But um, who knows? Um, you know, I, I mean, you asked me the question yesterday about how much the new injury could could impact his, his value in the summer. And I you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll know until he comes back, obviously. And that, that'll be the most important thing as far as the new injury goes. But kind of highlights, like, we don't know how much the old injury could still potentially impact the way people um, view his value in free agency, right? I mean, it's possible a team wouldn't want to do, you know, four yeah. years guaranteed, um, given given that, that injury history um, or, you know, who knows. But I, I would say in general, you know, if it was, uh, and again, I, I, do, I am in no way suited to commenting on if it was the you know the same foot where all these injuries were happening, like how if and how those things could be interrelated and what's whatever like that. You know, a doctor may say it's completely unrelated, and you know the fascia injury doesn't doesn't impact the you know bone concerns from from the break. So take all of this with a with a grain of salt, but. I would presume that you know, if he had two kind of con- two concerning things on one foot, that that's probably worse. But yeah, I guess I guess you know, you y- you have one bad wheel in the NBA, that's a problem. So yep. you know, whether it's both feet or one foot, it's it's all concerning, and you just hope that um, you know he's going to be able to get back on the court sooner rather than later. And um, you know, there's a reason we don't talk about that initial broken foot much because hasn't been an issue so far so you just you obviously just hope that uh that continues to be the case but um we know the sport is uh is fickle and things change quickly yeah um you know i think it'll uh it's it's something that has made trying to figure out his free agency market so difficult to me and you know this is kind of what we talked about with you know the volatility of of different guys this summer and, and kind of where they're going to be. And, you know, like I think we're, 
we're both pretty confident that Chris Middleton is getting a max or a near max. And uh, you don't know, like, trigger people. Don't trigger people. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Jesus we're pretty Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to, now I'm going to be like, now I'm going to be like responsible for Chris Middleton potentially getting a max contract this summer. Eric, you realize <laughs> that, right? People are going to hold me personally responsible because I'm anyway. Go ahead. Well, the good news is you'll be in a lead company with guys like Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks on, on your side. So uh, you should be okay there, Frank. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, I think we have a, some level of confidence there. Like Brooke Lopez, you know, I think the question is, you know, how high does it go? But in reality, like, you know, like there's not a $20 million per year offer out there for for Brooke Lopez. Like we know it's not going to go that high. Like it, it's probably trying to figure out if it's the mid level or if it's slightly higher than the mid level. Um, and then, you know, like how many years it might be. So like there's that. And then, you know, you know, I thought with blood. So like a, a bad playoff performance could have made it a little bit more volatile, but you know, I think there was probably a good idea of where that would be, but Brogdon in, you know, like the, the red flag on the left foot. And then, you know, a, a injury to his right foot now and you know you just kind of have to think through and be like well how many years does that mean you can pay him how much money does that mean you can guarantee him because you know maybe there is some questions about his health and like you said it hasn't really played out that way um and the the left foot hasn't been a problem uh despite that uh you know being something that they, they might be worried about but um I think it makes his, his market a little bit more interesting and um, we'll, we'll have to kind of see where that goes. Um, I think the last thing we want to talk a little bit about today is just Bucks Lakers. Um, I, I feel like as this podcast has, has grown and this season has gone on, uh, I feel like last year we would have spent you know a lot of time previewing upcoming games for the Bucks, but uh, we don't often do that all that much anymore because the the game to game stuff isn't super interesting. But you know, I think anytime LeBron and Giannis are are getting ready to go head to head, like I do, kind of think it's a thing. Even if even if the Lakers are trash right now and losing to the Knicks, <laughs> like even if that is the case, uh, you know, I do still think it is something when. Le- when Giannis gets to go up against LeBron. Yeah. And it's probably also something that like, you know, Giannis wants to go up against LeBron. Um, you know, there was a definitely check out Matt Velasquez's um, piece on, on Giannis. And I mean, it's a, it's kind of a broad ranging piece, but kind of uses this matchup with LeBron kind of as a, a starting point um, as a talking point for kind of a broader discussion of Giannis and, uh, and, you know, he's obviously his ascension to this, very elite level in the league, and I thought there was there was one um, there was one really great quote in there um, that I'll just read out just because um, I think it's just uh, we're just doing that way. Um, not trying to um, it was basically about you know, and, and I think people have heard um, you know, it, it's an interesting thing discussion right now about like the face of a league. Um, and Giannis had uh, had had this to say about this. A lot of people say that I can be the face of the league. Lately, people have told me the closest people, you know, my family my girlfriend, my mom, my brothers, people say that I cannot be the face of the league because I'm not American. I don't have the American culture in me. I sat back and thought about that. Should I have a little bit more American swag? Should I come up with come with a suit to the game? Should I be more Americanized? But man, 
if I can't be the face of the league being me, I don't want to be the face of the league. That's pretty much it. How how much more can you love this guy? Like, isn't that just such a great <laughs> answer? Like, that's such a great answer. Um, and yeah. Anyway, uh, so check it out. Uh, good good column. Um, that's probably the least LeBronish sort of part part about it. But obviously, in the context of you know inheriting the the title from from LeBron as you know sort of league's best player, um, is uh, is is definitely an interesting uh, uh, read. And so I, you know, we we saw the in- latest injury report here as we talk on Monday night. Um, had Giannis listed as questionable with that that ankle injury he sustained on Sunday. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of of two minds, you know. Like a couple of weeks ago, I would have said like, well, you know, they probably hold him out and and don't take any chances. Um, but then the flip side is like, you know, it seems like his knee has has been. I mean, again, knock on wood. I mean, we haven't really seen that in the injury report now for a while. He's been playing back to backs, and. I don't know if anybody has as as bionic of ankles as Giannis. Like he seems every year, he like seems like he turns his ankle pretty badly once or twice. You talked about you know yesterday the the Brooklyn game where Della Vadova turns his ankle and is out like you know six weeks or whatever it was, and Giannis you know is out like a day. Um, so he has a history of kind of you know overcoming kind of ankle ankle turns, um, and obviously he you know just sort of played played through the one he had they just continue to just dominate and you know look no worse uh, for the wear after after the uh the ankle turn um so i i would guess he plays um you know you know Giannis wants to play also important to note there is a back-to-back so you could have just have him play against la and then have him sit out that back-to-back just saying yeah or, i mean the flip side argument would be um you know sit him out the first night and and play him the second night um but the second night is in cleveland um, so obviously, you know, you could make the argument of, well, yeah. if you're going to rest him and, and kind of pick your opponent to, to put out the B team against it, you know, the Cavs would be a more obvious team to do that with, um, should be noted. The Pistons tried to do that, uh, tonight, rested Blake Griffin and promptly lost to, uh, to the Cavs in Cleveland. So, um, you know, you're always playing with fire a little bit, although we've seen the Bucks do that once already this year against Cleveland, uh, in Milwaukee and, um, you know the Bucks. Bucks ended up winning that game very, pretty, pretty comfortably. Um, we also saw the Bucks uh, rely on Giannis to put up 44 in Cleveland uh, that other night. So, uh, will be interesting. Um, I don't, I don't know if I don't know. Interesting question. What are the odds of seeing Giannis against both LeBron and LeBron's former team in in, in the span of 24 hours? Uh, I don't know. Um, we we will see. Um, they say certainly that Cavs game would have looked like a potential strategic rest game, but, um, you know, kind of first thing first, right? Like take care of the Lakers. They've been struggling of late, um, but they're talented. I mean, you know, it's like, there's no reason that they should be pushovers. Uh, and so I think, you know, you certainly hope the bucks kind of come out with that mindset of that's, that's served them so well, right. You know, they lose a game, they bounce back. They don't, you know, they don't look past teams, I'm sure they're not looking past the Lakers to the Cavs, right? So um, hopefully they'll have the focus they need on Tuesday night, and um, I think it'll be interesting to see what the what you know what the lack of Brogdon means for um, for the Bucks lineups uh, against the Lakers. I mean, I don't know if we really fully kind of unpacked it, but um, you know the <laughs> we we have talked about you know Ben Falk's article on cleaning glass about the Bucks. And sort of the the way that they strategically kind of give up threes to 
let's say lower value three-point shooters and above the break three-point shooters and um, I'm not sure you're going to see a team dare a player to shoot threes as much as what Brooke Lopez was doing with Rajon Rondo um, in LA when these teams last played. Um, I mean, it was, it was startling the way the Bucks a, you know, basically said, you know, whatever, we don't care that, uh, that Rajon Rondo's on the court. Like, we're just going to let you try to try to shoot threes. Um, and, and, I mean, what I forget what he ended up. It was a career, I think it was a career a career high number, right, that he took in that game, uh, like by 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 far. And yeah. he pretty much took all of them in the first half. <laughs> he kind of hit a couple, and then the Bucks like, okay, we'll we'll play you more honestly. So I, I'm curious exactly what the Bucks do, um, you know, against the, the Lakers uh, on Tuesday if they try to take a similar tack or if they do something slightly different. Um, Lakers coming off a rather embarrassing. Um, lost to uh, lost to the, the the Knicks in which they outscored thirteen to one in the final like couple of minutes of the game. So um, I, I don't know what that means. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of murmurs that basically the Lakers might as well tank. I mean, are these guys actually tanking games at this point? Like I I assume they're not, but clearly there's um, you know maybe some unintentional tanking just because the let's just say the good vibes are are not flowing around the Lakers right now with with all the Tension, turmoil, issues they've had. Um, Brandon Ingram, who was great against the Bucks in LA, is out with um, uh, a blood clotting issue. That obviously, you know, is concerning. Although it sounds like he should make a recovery. Um, the lineup they ran the other night: uh, Rondo, Reggie Bullock, Javale McGee at center, LeBron James, and, and Kyle Kuzma. So uh, more of a traditional look. I don't believe they. I don't believe they started a center against the Bucks last time, which was basically the reason for the weirdness of those lineups. Um, so we'll see if maybe a more traditional lineup uh, is shown uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, and you know, there's plenty of uh, obviously plenty of injuries on that Lakers squad. So they are also uh, obviously missing Ingram, but just kind of not the the squad that they once were. Uh, and obviously, they're struggling with that. And yeah, I don't. I mean, I would think there's there's some desire from. Giannis uh, to play against the Lakers uh, just because of, I mean, everything really. Like, he gets to go up against LeBron, which is something that he always relishes. Uh, I think how close it was the last time, even if this is not going to be the end up, end up being the same Lakers team, how close it was last time. Um, you know, the fact that they just lost a game. Uh, like I, I think there's a lot there that would make Giannis want to play. So uh, we'll see if he is able to get through that questionable uh, designation uh, tomorrow and see if he ends up playing against the Lakers. So I think that's going to be it for us for today. A uh, reminder, today's pro- podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. You can deposit with MyBookie today with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. O-N-N-B-A for 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Reminder, it is NCAA Tournament Week. Uh, Even though I am not the biggest college basketball fan, I will admit to being a sucker and filling out brackets every year. Um, So I will definitely be doing that. Uh, You guys can do that as well. Over at MyBookie, with MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. That is going to be it for us for today. We will talk to you after the game. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.